0: 14 because Jesus said there are two roads he says this in verse 13 Jesus said this enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few Jesus talked about two ways two roads we can take in our life the wide road, the, 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 the frequented or the road less travelled. The, there's the easy way, there's the tough way. And he contrasted the two, but he also contrasted the end of the road. It's not about the road. People tell you it's about the journey. It's about the destination. It really is. And he contrasted that because there's a broad way where it's easy and it's kind of it seems good, but that leads to destruction and there's a more difficult way which leads to life. So today I want to examine... These ways, not just in our own lives, because most of us have decided which of those roads we're going to take, but I want to look at, on behalf of our community, because people out there every day are choosing the broad road to destruction and they don't even know it. One of the things you know, if, um how many of you have been on, on roads that have bypassed towns and stuff like that as you're travelling around our nation, and you don't even think about the town to bypass that previously you would have gone through? Isn't that true? And we don't even think about it because we're concentrating on the broad road. So often if you're on the broad road, you don't even know there's another way. And our job is to share the other way. So the wide road that we're talking about here, it's big, it's busy, but it's headed towards destruction. It's easy. It's floating along with the tide. It's not better. In my opinion, it's not even more fun. People say, I don't want to become a Christian because I won't have any fun anymore. Listen, if you, think, if you think sin is fun, try holiness. It's brilliant. You don't have to look over your shoulder. You don't have to worry about stuff. You don't have any fears or regrets. You have a, a, a fantastic life. So it's not even more fun. It's just easier. You can do what you want. You can fulfill your own desires. You can put yourself first. You can forget everyone else and do what you want. There's a common saying in English for those of you uh, who who aren't familiar with with English as your first language, there's a common saying that says this, Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Have you heard that? That actually comes from 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul writes, If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Then he says this, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. So what he's saying is, what the saying actually means is that if this fleeting life is all you've got, if this is it, you might as well enjoy it and live it up because there's nothing else at the end of it. That's what the saying is saying. But of course we know that, um, that there is something at the end of it that every person will give an account. Hebrews 9.27 says this, just as man is destined to die once and after that the judgment. You know, so, so the Bible teaches that there is more to life after death. We are all going to die. We don't talk about it very much. You don't get cards saying, "Merry death, happy dying, do you? That'd be weird. you know. So we don't talk about death much, but every single one of us, unless the Lord returns, every single one of us is going to die. And uh, you might say, well, I don't believe in life after death. Well, I guarantee you, 10 seconds after you die, you will. Only it'll be too late. Because we have this moment of, of opportunity. We all face eternity in either heaven or hell. And I've people say to me, oh, I don't believe that stuff. Well, you know, I do. And I'll tell you why. And I, I don't speak about this very often. But I've actually pulled back the curtain and looked there. When I was a little bit younger... In my 20s, I suffered from uh, anaphylaxis, which is where you eat or drink something or whatever, and your whole body responds in a massive allergic reaction, and it closed down uh, my lungs, and I was rushed to hospital, and I actually died on the operating table for, for more than a minute, and then they hauled me back. Now, during that minute, and you can think I'm weird, I don't care, lots of people think I'm weird, but this is, this is what happened in that minute. I felt like I, I fell through the table into the arms of the Lord underneath, and I could look down a tube, and I could see them operating on my body right down the end of this tube, kind of way out there. And then, but I was surrounded by this incredible sense of love, and 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 and, and I just knew I was in Jesus' arms. Then a, a voice spoke to me and said, "You're not your your time is not yet. You're not done yet." something along those lines, pushed me back up and the next thing I know was happening around me and I said to the nurse, what just happened? She said, you died. Your heart stopped for more than a minute but we managed to hold you back and I don't care if you believe me or not because I've been there. I've looked behind the curtain and I've seen that there is life after death. There really is. Not only does the Bible say it but there's I, I've peeked behind the curtain and seen it. So this broad road Ignores the destination and just says, well, you might as well enjoy the trip because it's as good as it gets And like any road there are features. I want to run through some of the features of the broad road to destruction First of all, you get rain. You get lots of sort of other elements around as well But let's talk about rain and and, and all the weather that comes. Who likes driving in the rain? Not many of us Um, You know, it makes it more difficult But we can face rain, hail, fog, all sorts of things. So let's have a look at that now. Rain represents all the adversities of life. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter how rich or poor you are, someone is going to rain on your parade at some point. We know that. Uh, We all experience pain, hard times, suffering. And now, for some, pain drives them towards God, but for many, pain drives them away from God because they're angry at God because of what they are suffering. Even great prophets like Jeremiah, in chapter 15, verse 18 of Jeremiah, Jeremiah says this, Why is my pain unceasing, my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? Will you be to me like a deceitful brook, like waters that fail? And he's crying out to God, and he's saying, I'm in pain, God. Are you going to do anything about it? And so many have been there. See, Job is another one like that. They face incredible hardship. But you know, everyone faces rain along the road. There is always going to be rain or something at some point on that broad road. But if you are on the broad road to destruction, the problem is you don't get any hope. The problem is they take your hope from you, and so there you are, things are going bad, and you have this sinking feeling in your heart because your hope has been sapped out of you. Then there's hail. Now, hail is rain on steroids. We're, we're kind of used to hail a little bit around here on the Sunshine Coast, aren't we? And how many of you have had a car damaged by hail? A few of us, yeah. And, and you know, that stuff is really lethal. If you're out singing in the rain and it starts hailing, you get out of there real quick because it is, it is you know, little chunks of ice coming down. Hail represents when adversity drives us to self-destruction. You know, what am I talking about? Well, addiction is what I'm talking about, where we turn to drink or sex or drugs or something like that to numb the pain of our adversity. But in the end, the problem is bigger than the one we started with. That's the problem with addiction. Isaiah 5 verse 11 says this, Woe to those who rise early in the morning that they may run after strong drink who tarry late in the evening as wine inflames them. You know, this people who are controlled by alcohol or drugs or sex or anything else the problem with an addiction is you don't control it it controls you and so you're not free at all Galatians 5 verse 1 says this for freedom Christ has set us free stand firm therefore do not submit again to the yoke of slavery addiction is slavery they're going to say I want to be free so that I can do drugs you're not free mate you are addicted and addiction enslaves you that's like hail but what about fogs foggy roads can be deadly There was a famous incident in 1990. A fog on Tennessee I-75 saw 99 vehicles pile up and 12 die, all due to fog. And you could argue stupidity because people drive too fast in the fog. Am I right? We don't get a lot of fog here, but I love it when we get it because we don't get much. But if you lived in the Blue Mountains, you're kind of over it by the end of winter, you know? And in life, so many people fog up the roads we're on. You get people like atheists, I I saw an interview with Stephen Fry the other day. He's a a great atheist. And and I thought, man, they just want to fog everything up. They really do. Atheists say they don't believe in God, but I am yet to meet an atheist who's done his research. People say, I don't believe in God. Really? Based on what? Have you checked it out? Have you, researched, have you seen the, the, the evidence for Jesus rising from the dead, the archaeological evidence? Can you look around? What basis do you have for saying there is no God? Oh, oh, oh I just don't think there is. Good on you. So you're going to make a, a decision that's going to affect you for all eternity based on zero research and understanding. See, they're just fogging the road. So many people want to fog the road. Psalm 14 says this, The fool says in his heart there is no God. It's a fool who says there is no God. They'll say, well, you know, you guys are just full of blind faith. I'll tell you, man, you, you tell me who's got blind faith. You're making a decision for all eternity based on not looking at anything. Just saying, oh, I reckon. That is foolishness. That is, our faith is placed, as, as we saw a couple of weeks ago, on solid evidence. There is incredible evidence and evidence that demands a verdict that we come come to to the decision that Jesus Christ is in fact Lord and see then everybody else fogs out what do you think the media's been doing for a couple of years here now they are fogging everybody's perception of stuff aren't they? And I'm you know we're coming into an election I don't know about you but I'm more confused than ever when I look at all that because there, there is so much misinformation around. The media is ex- uh, sorry, very excellent at fogging people's brains up and minds up. And they fog it up with their fears. We've become so fearful beyond rationality. In fact, there's even a paranoia out there against Christianity. When you, when you say that you, you're a Christian, they go, whoa, because their mind has been fogged by all the junk that's been pumped into it through the years from the media. They're all on the broad road to destruction. But what else gets you when you're on a broad road? How about oncoming lights? How many of you enjoy driving into oncoming lights? Not at all, right? It blinds you. And and, and Jesus said this in, this in Matthew 5, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good works and praise your Father in heaven. Let your light shine before others. But frankly, we should be salt and light in this world, but some, some of us are just religious. And so the light that should be shining into the dark places, changing people's lives, is shining in people's eyes and stopping them from seeing the truth about God. Christianity should light a man's path, not blind others to, to the destruction that they're going to. You see, I don't have religion. I have relationship. See, I don't have fear, I have friendship with God. I don't have legalistic laws, I have life to the full. There's a difference. What's the difference between Christianity, true Christianity, and all the world's religions? Religion is man seeking God, but Christianity is God seeking man. Religion is man trying to keep a bunch of rules to hope that he can reach up to God. But Christianity is God in the form of Jesus Christ reaching down to man and bringing him back to himself. So we need to realize that it's not a bunch of rules and religions. What Christianity is, is relationship with God. And that is the key. When you read the passage in Matthew that talks about the sheep and the goats, God... With a broken heart since this is the judgment day. God with a broken heart sends people to an eternity in hell. And he doesn't say, because you didn't keep my rules. He says, I never knew you. Christianity is about relationship. But we try and cloud it with religion, with a bunch of rules. Colossians two verse eight, Paul says this see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of this world, and not according to Christ. And religion, even so-called Christian religion, can blind our eyes like an oncoming light from seeing the truth about God. Religion is a hollow, empty philosophy. It's a blinding light that keeps so many on the broad road to destruction. And you've probably experienced this. Have you driven into, like of a night time when you've got oncoming lights and they're very glary? We've all experienced that. What's it like when you've got a dirty window? It's like... And so if, if you have sin in your life, for, for people out there in our community that have sin in their life, the light is even more blinding from religion. They can't see the truth because the sin amplifies it in their life. We need relationship with Jesus Christ. The third thing that you will find on on the broad road to destruction is roadworks. You know, we have two seasons here in Australia. We have two seasons here in Australia, summer and roadworks. And so some of you are familiar with this, aren't you? Roadworks. How how many of you you have travelled on the Bruce Highway recently? Oh, yeah. I saw this meme. Put this one up, Zach. Uh, I love this. This was so funny. Remember Back to the Future? There you go. There you go. (laughs) So many people believe the good works can save them, but they're only repairing potholes on the road to destruction. So many people... See, people out in the community know they're sinners. Most of them know they're sinners. If you say, are you a sinner? They probably say, "Mm, yeah, probably. You know, most of them know that. And they try and save themselves by doing good things, doing nice things for people but the Bible says in Ephesians it is by grace you have been saved through faith it is not from yourselves it is the gift of God not by works that no one should boast not by works so if someone comes to you and says you need to do this or say this or be this or get this to be a Christian that is is works that's not true all you have to do is to believe in Jesus oh that sounds too easy yeah he's made it really easy because he loves people and yet we, we try and cloud it up so much. Think about the thief on the cross. Jesus is being crucified. One thief attacks him. The other thief looks to him by faith. Now that, well, Jesus said to him, Luke 23 verse 43, Today you will be with me in paradise. That thief definitely went to paradise with his Lord. He dec- he called jesus or he looked to jesus by faith now he couldn't do anything he was nailed to a cross he couldn't he couldn't uh, get baptized he couldn't take communion uh, he couldn't even get on his knees he didn't say the sinner's prayer that i know of he just looked to jesus by faith and he was saved So don't let anyone tell you you need to do something other than looking at Jesus, other than than saying, Lord, I trust you, I give my life to you. Just yielding to him, and then he will do the rest and take you off that broad road onto the alternative road. The fourth thing you can get on a a broad road is slippery surfaces. So many people on the road to destruction, experienced slippery surfaces you know, with catastrophic results. Have you ever been on a road and hit an oil stick or, or, or some water and sort of played? And it's pretty scary, isn't it? I remember driving home one night, late at night, uh, from a concert that I'd done way out in the country somewhere, and uh, there, there was like a, there was a bridge over, over a river, and the road came up and it kind of did a T across like, like that, sort of a 90-degree turn. And I saw it coming. I saw the sign. I hit the brakes in the van that I was in, and it just didn't stop. It just kept going and going and going, and I remember just sitting right on the edge and going, wow, that was close. You see, when you hit the wrong surface, you can you can slide anywhere. And so many people find that in their life. James 1 says this, Let no one say he is being tempted. When he is being tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot tempt with evil, and he He himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire, and when desire conceives, it gives birth to sin, and with sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Temptation is going to come the way of all of us. Is that right? But it's how we respond to that. And if you're on the broad road to destruction, then that that can just derail you. So many people have made one really bad decision and it affects the rest of their life. Because they were tempted, and they gave in and went down that road. But the great news for us, of course, is 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. No temptation is overcome, you, which is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. So if we press into God, the temptation will not get us. So that's the broad road to destruction. Let's talk about the other road, the way less traveled. Jesus said there's another road. It's a narrow one. And it's less travel. And it doesn't lead to destruction, but it leads to life. It's the Roman road. It's the way of salvation. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father through me. And that word way, I am the way, is the same Greek word that is used about the the narrow road in the previous verse. It's the Greek word hodos, which means path or highway. So it's the same word. It's the way of the cross. It's the path. and, And the cool thing is, the, the, the truth about that path is contained in one Bible verse. If you look at nothing else this morning, look at Romans 6.23. That, that one Bible verse contains the whole gospel. Let's have a look at it just briefly. For the wages, wages are something you earn, aren't they? Do you get a donation when you work? You do at Ignite, but you don't anywhere else. Right, Mostly you get wages. If you work a certain amount, you get a wage. So the wages, the earnings of sin is what? Is death. People say, I want to sin and have a good life. It's not life, it's death. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift, this costs you nothing. This gospel costs you nothing. Just like JC Fest costs you nothing. But you get all the benefit. For the free gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that last word is the key thing, to call him Lord. Because you cannot accept him as saviour if you're not going to honour him and call him Lord. Salvation is free, but it's not cheap. And the the thing is, you have to accept it. You have to get off that broad road to destruction. And the way you do that is something called repentance. In Acts 17, it says this. Times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Now, what does repent mean? Repent doesn't mean I'm going to change my mind slightly. Repent is the Greek word mentaneo, which means to change, to change your mind, but to the completely opposite direction. So repenting is not veering off slightly. Repenting is a 180 facing the other direction. It means to change from the direction heading towards death and destruction and start heading towards life. This is the good news. This is what we are bringing to our community over the next month, this incredible news that God has this amazing gift for you, eternal life. Now, here's the thing. The devil doesn't want you to do this, and the devil has a bunch of lies. The devil is really hes the father of lies. He's really good at it. And I want to mention one lie in particular, but before I do, we live in a world that's very, where the truth is very fluid. Have you noticed that? The truth that, that, that um, the government, the media, even our own families, people out there talking, that what they say is truth is, is, is fluid, we're told. You, know, you, you can decide what you want to be, what, what truth will be. Well, I would postulate that if truth can change depending on your or anybody else's opinion, it was never truth in the first place. Because truth is truth. You can't change it. It's truth. The Oxford Dictionary defines truth as true facts about something rather than things that have been invented or guessed. So truth is changing all the time out there, but it cannot change all the time in the Word of God because the Word of God stands forever. So beware of someone who says, I found the truth because the truth is in the Word of God. If it's not in the Word of God, then we don't have that solid foundation for what truth is and truth can change depending on your opinion. But the big lie, the big lie the devil tells people on the broad road to destruction, it's not that it's wrong or it's bad or or that's many people can see they're heading to destruction. The big lie he tells them. Well, let me tell you what the lie is. The lie comes from the prophet led Zeppelin. Yes, there are two roads you can go by, but in the long run, there's still time to change the road you're on. That's, that's the big lie. Hey, you've got plenty of time. You've got plenty of time. Go and have a good life, and then when it's all over, right at the end, you can become a Christian and be saved. That's the biggest lie that the enemy gives us. Because the Bible says, now is the time of God's favour. Now is the day of salvation. Not later on, not when you get around to it, not when you've built your business or your kids are grown up or whatever. Now is the time to do it because you don't know what's going to happen in the future. If he can get you to delay, he can win. And so the lie he constantly pushes out there is to take your time. Just take your time. Just keep cruising. You'll be right. It's a nice broad road. You're good. At 9.27... On the 5th of January 1975, the bulk carrier Illawarra collided with a pylon on the Tasman Bridge over the Derwent River in Hobart. Four cars plunged 45 metres to their deaths. Motorists went back down the road waving cars to stop. If you didn't stop when someone was waving it, you would just sail over this edge and that would be it for you, 45 metres down. They dragged their bodies out in their cars later on you see some of these guys? They actually finish with their front wheels off, balancing on their sump. This is true. This is an actual photograph. But this morning, what I'm doing is I'm going down that that, that highway and I'm waving and I'm saying, stop. Don't keep going down the road to destruction. Stop now. Now is the time. Don't wait until you're sailing to your midair halfway down to change your mind. Now is the day of salvation. Now, I don't know where you're at. I don't know, you know, many of you I don't know well enough to to know whether you know Jesus as Lord or not. Some of you may have been religious. Maybe you just attend church. Maybe you don't get this stuff. But I'm telling you, God has free salvation for you here, right now, for you. And don't wait. Don't delay. Don't do it. Because we don't want you to sail off the end of that thing on the broad road to destruction. We want you to come to him now. Some of you may have made a decision years ago, but you're not sure whether you're going to heaven. Listen, if you were to die right now, what would it be for you? Because the Bible says it's going to be heaven or hell. What would it be for you? Would you be in heaven or in hell if you were to die right at this moment? Some of you would say, well, I hope it's heaven. That's not good enough. It's not good enough to say, well... I hope I've done enough good, more than bad, to get to That's not how you get to heaven. You get to heaven based on whether you know Jesus or not. And I want to give you the opportunity right now to ask Jesus Christ into your life. So would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we just take this opportunity to, to ask you to speak to our hearts, Lord. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just hover over this meeting and challenge people's hearts. Some of you here maybe made a decision before. Maybe you've been a church goer. But going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. It doesn't work that way. You have to come to Christ yourself. And now is the time of salvation. So if that is you... I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me and together we are going to ask the Lord into your life and take you off of that broad road to destruction and put you on the narrow road to life. If that is you, pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. I turn away from my sin to you and I ask you into my life as my Lord and my Saviour. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And thank you for the gift of eternal life. Now, if that is you, I'm just going to ask you, wherever you are, just to shoot your hand up very quickly and put it down. I'm not going to bring you forward here at the moment, but just shoot your hand up quickly, yes. Are there any others? Just very quickly. Thank you. Are there any others? I know, you know, this is a great challenge to all of us. Father, I just pray that you would move by your Holy Spirit, that you would touch the lives that have responded here, Lord, and pour out your Spirit upon them. Father, we pray that as you take them off the broad road to destruction and put them on the narrow road, Lord, we pray that you will bless them and keep them in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. Now, just before I finish, I want to mention that we all have a role to play here. Uh, Zach mentioned earlier from YWAM that uh, he, wants, he gave us three challenges and he wants you to be involved. But our great challenge as a church, and if you look at that passage on the broad road to destruction and the narrow road to life, immediately after it, Jesus starts talking about fruit. And so the thing is, we need to preserve the fruit, don't we? I was in an orchard years ago and there was all these beautiful apples on the ground. I said, what are they doing here? Why are you wasting why, why are you wasting the fruit? And the guy said to me, we can't find enough people to pick them. And so they fell to the ground and rotted. And we do not want that for people who know Jesus, do we? So we need to find a way to preserve our fruit. My question is how do we do that? Um, I did a little bit of research on fruit well, fruit and and other sorts of things, how they preserve things in ancient days and even today. There's several different ways you can preserve things. Uh, For example, alcohol. Many things are preserved in alcohol. Dignity is not one of them, but other things are. So be careful with that one. But essentially, in ancient days, there were three ways of preserving fruit. The first was drying. Uh, When you dry fruit, in the old days, they'd expose it to this. They didn't have whatever those drying... I was thinking regurgitator, but no, dehydrator, okay. They didn't have those back in the day. So they had the sun. And so when someone comes to Christ, they need to be exposed to the Son of God. And and he will preserve that fruit. James 4 verse 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So if, you, if we can draw people near to God, we have to keep pointing them to Jesus. The second thing is sugar. Now, I'm not much of a, a jam guy. Some of you make jams. I don't. Um but I've been in a few jams, but that's something different. Uh, but um when you make jam, sugar is the way it is it is um preserved. And Psalm nineteen verse nine says this the rules of the Lord are true, the right and righteous altogether, more to be desired than gold, much the much fine gold, sweeter also than honey. So the word of God is, is, is the sweetness. And we need to get believers plugged into the word of God, bring them to church, bring them to we're going to be running new new Christian classes. You know, get people into the word of God, because if they don't get into the word of God, they will not be they will fall away. They will not be preserved. The third way is with salt. Matthew five says, You are the salt of the earth. And, and, and he says, and if you lose your saltiness, we should just throw you away, you're useless. Salt preserves things. And on top of that, it tastes great, but that's another thing. But we are the salt of the earth. So th- we have to get people plugged in with, with the salt of the earth, which is you and I, which is believers. So if we are going to preserve fruit, when fruit... And I'm not saying if, I'm saying when fruit comes from J.C. Fist, when people come to Christ there and we have an opportunity to connect with them, we have to do it in those three ways. We have to connect them with the Son of God, we have to connect them with the Word of God, and we have to connect them with other believers. Otherwise, they will fall away. It's just fact, folks. There are a few people who disciple themselves, but not many. It's up to us. People come to me all the time and they say, They say, I'm not sure that I can minister. I want to minister for God, but I'm not sure. Listen, hold up your mobile phone. Everybody, if you've got a mobile phone, hold it up. Right? If you have a mobile phone, if you can hold that thing, if you can type with thumbs or fingers, you can minister to people. Because that is the way that we can minister to people. So it's as simple as, and you can minister to anyone in this church at any moment by sending them a text. Hey, just thinking about you and praying for you. Hey man, love you. Hey, let's do coffee next week. It's so easy these days to be you say, Oh, I don't know how I'll go for follow up. Okay, that's fine. Just do coffee a lot. That's good. Just connect with people. Right? I'm the pastor. I can't connect with everybody. I don't have enough time as it is in my life. But you can connect with people. So God has a place for each one of you. You know, if you go down to this festival, which I hope you do in a couple of weeks, you don't go there just to watch the entertainment. Go to connect with someone and share the gospel with them. Go to connect with them and follow through. Make a time for follow-up. Make a time for coffee. We can all do it. See, the thing is, with these two roads, folks, we are not the RACQ. We're not here to observe them or comment on them, have an opinion. We're not here to be the RACQ. We are here to show God's love to everyone, not just have an opinion. We're here to, to take people off one road and put them on the next road and make sure they stay on it by loving them and caring for them right through to their destination. You see, our job as believers is to do his bidding and it's an awesome task because God is going to bring, I believe I believe totally what Zach has said over here, that he's going to bring people, there's just going to be you know, no seats available here because God is going to give us a harvest 30, 60, 100 fold. Don't you believe that? And we all have a chance to be a part of it. This is not just for pastors or leaders. We have a chance to reach our community for Christ. Let me finish with this. Some of you may not know this, but when we moved into this facility here, I did a little bit of research. And you may not know this, but this town was founded on Christians. Christians came out from uh, the southeast of England where they were being persecuted. They were called Puritans. And five or six families came to this region when this place was just a blip. Before there was was a a railway or anything through here, they came to Nambour. And these families began to meet together and formed a church here. So this town was built on the principles of God. This town was built on Christians. And we've lost our way along the way, but we're getting it back. Because this town is going, why can't we see revival starting right here? It will never start if we sit back and watch. Revival is not a spectator sport, it's a dive in and be involved sport. And you might say, well I'm old, what am I doing at a youth event? I tell you, young people these days need old people to look up to. Young people these days need old people to, 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 to look to for stability in their life, to be mentored, to be cared for. There is a place for all of us. My only question is, are you going to do it or not? Because if you don't, you have to account to God for that. I'm, I'm in. Are you? Let's pray together as we finish our service. Thanks, Sonia. Lord, we just want to offer our, our hands and our feet, our minds and our hearts to you this morning. That we might reach this wonderful town with the gospel. That we might reach this incredible community with a revival such as we have never seen. Lord, we pray that you would pour your spirit out upon our town, upon our people. Lord, that you would pour your spirit out upon us. That we might be your hands and feet to reach this place. Lord, we pray for our town. That you would, over the next few weeks and then long into the future take hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands off the broad road heading to destruction and place them on the narrow road that leads to life. Oh Lord, use us. As I said, here am I, Lord, use me. We're going to stand as we finish. We're going to sing a song together, but I want you to sing it from the heart and really mean it. Surrender it all to Him. And say, Lord, use me. Lord, use me. Just pray about it now. How can you be involved? What can you do? How can you be a part of what God is doing here? Just ask him now. As we wrap up our service, before we go to to coffee and our online people head off to their day. Lord, how can you use me? I'm here. Send me.